This is Dylan. This is Nick. And you're listening to Colloquium. Colloquium. Hello and welcome to Colloquium. We are coming to you here live on the feast of St. John Capistrano. Johnny. Johnny C. Johnny C, He's as they man. call him. Although right, I don't man. think anyone calls him that. No, he doesn't. We do. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot about St. John Capistrano, except there's a place in California called San Juan Capistrano. There you go. Surely it's named after him. It is certainly. Um, just as many things in California are named after Franciscan missionaries who came and named things. I don't know. Do they name things after themselves? I feel like probably not, right? Uh, Other people named I doubt them after it. Yeah, them? that yeah. doesn't seem saintly. Yeah, I guess the sand had to be added after <laughs> yeah. they were, you know, a saint, right? <laughs> so right. That, that, was, that wouldn't exactly be a virtuous, uh, humble thing to do, but... Yeah, that was a either. silly question of mine. No, it's okay. All right, but here we are. We're here on a Saturday, here right after the Feast of John Paul II. Oh, yeah. That's right. What was that? On the 23rd? Yesterday. yesterday. 22nd. Yep. Today's 22nd. the 23rd. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. Um, cool. And that, that was actually, I was telling you earlier about, you know, getting to, to meet this, this Swiss guard who worked for John Paul II. Um, his talk that he gave was on the Feast of John Paul II. Oh, I didn't put that together. Yeah, Great. It was, okay. It was super cool way to celebrate the feast. Um, yeah. Hearing from someone who knew John Paul II and was evangelized by John Paul II. Highly recommend that to listeners, by the way. Um, if you can find, I don't know if he has anything online. I know he gives talks. But his name is Andreas Weidner with a W. Sounds like a V, but is a W the last name? And he was a Swiss guard working for John Paul II. And he talks about how it was by being a Swiss guard for John Paul II and the way that John Paul treated him and reached out to him that he came to faith in God and, 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 and the, Catholic, the Catholic faith. And, uh, yeah, it was really impactful just to celebrate John Paul by, by hearing from, from a man who was impacted so much by him. Yeah, it seems like everyone who knows or knew him or maybe even encountered him has an amazing story. So Yes. Uh, yeah, so it's cool to, um, cool to hear those. I'm sure there are a million since he, what was he, 90 or so when he, when he yeah. died? So, I mean, yeah. everybody has an encounter. You know, everybody that was around him probably has you know, a bunch of stories. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think he's my new answer to the, like, if you could have lunch with anybody, alive or dead. Um, yeah. You know, I think he's my new answer to that, just because every, literally everyone I know who has had an encounter with him has just described it as the most powerful thing, even if it's just, right. hi, I'm John Paul, you know, like, or yeah. really it's more he's asking your name, and then he probably says your name with this loving voice of his, and it just it just breaks you down. That is unbelievable. Um, it's yeah. just everyone I know who's, who's had that has just been so powerful. Yeah. Have you um, have you ever read Jason Everett's book? Uh, yes. John Paul the Great. Yeah, yeah. His Five Loves. Yeah, that's a really good book. I I really recommend that. It's um, it just gives you a powerful introduction to his to John Paul II's life and uh, just share some cool stories, you know, surrounding uh, the way in which he went about life. So yeah, phenomenal. Um, a little fun fact about him. This is I didn't tell you this, but. Uh, so John Paul II, this is one of the things you can only learn from a, a Swiss guard, but he told us that what John Paul II typically ate for dinner, he, w- he was very social, very extroverted, and so he would love to eat, like sit down and eat dinner with people. But typically he would sit down while everybody else was eating a full meal, he would eat an apple and a glass of white wine. Hmm. Well, that's a man right there. Yeah. Isn't that just like such a, like, such a weird, like a interesting, like quirk of a saint, you know? Yeah. 
Why do I think of like a witch when I? <laughs> what? <laughs> I think about the apple. Oh, yeah, I guess. I guess. Well, apples. Maybe he's just meditating on like Gen. He did meditate a lot on uh, Genesis three. Oh, okay. Maybe he's just, so maybe just wine and drinking his apple. What's so great about the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil? Oh dude. my gosh! Yeah. yeah so that's probably that's probably wrong. a terrible thing to say, but can't yeah, take it back just now. Can I? John Paul the Great to a witch. Okay. Wow. A witch. <laughs> is that Monty Python? I think reference. What, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. Witch, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, we're we're not here to talk about witches. We're not even here to talk about John Paul II. Although I love doing it, but we are here to talk about the grace of God. The, this this is just that word grace. The theme of grace. What is grace? Why does it matter? That says what we're going to talk about today. What do you think about grace? Yeah. So. uh what do I think about it? I like it. You like grace? Okay. Good, good. I like it. Six out of ten. No. Uh, originally, like when I was growing up, the word grace is kind of thrown around a lot. It is. Yeah. It's thrown around a lot. And I, I think maybe appropriately, I don't know, but I think when a lot of times we, um, I know when I heard the word grace growing up, I didn't really know what it meant. You asked me to yeah. you know, uh, define it. I wouldn't be able to tell you. It was kind of like this... Uh, um, all-encompassing word to define the mm-hmm. spiritual life <laughs> whenever you needed to say something. Yeah. Uh, but I think of it in short, I think of it as like a uh, an unmerited favor, uh, yeah. unmerited gift uh, that we give that we get from God. Yeah, good. Yeah. I think I think I'm with you. It's growing up, it's like yeah, it does feel like this trite word. I remember I remember the the Sunday school definition that was kind of instilled in me that it wasn't without meaning or significance to me, but it just, you know, you know, at, at 10 years old it doesn't, didn't carry the weight that I think it does now was, was I think, um, a share in God's life or a share in divine life, which like, that sounds cool. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good definition. Right. But again, it's, it's this word that would also tend to get used so much that you kind of don't have a grasp on what exactly that means. You know, what is a share in, in God's life? Right. What is God's life in us look like? So I think maybe it'll help to look at some kind of textbook definitions of grace. So, I've got one from the catechism here. Grace is favor, the free and undeserved help that God gives us to respond to his call to become children of God, adopted sons, partakers of the divine nature and of eternal life. So I think that's good. Um, I have a share in divine life. Again, that's kind of, I think, yeah. the Sunday school answer I got. And then I think uh, a third thing that's worth noting, and, and I think we'll talk more about, um, but is if you look at the word grace and how it's used in the New Testament, St. Paul uses the word for grace, um, charis, it's C-H-A-R-I-S, it's the Greek word. It actually literally means like gift, gift of God, right? So I think that highlights this first aspect of it, the free and undeserved help that God gives us. Yeah, it seems like that definition is more intuitive or easier to grasp, at least for me. Uh, than a share in the divine life. I think we'd have yeah. to th- uh, flesh out that definition a little bit more than uh, the undeserved gift definition. It seems more, uh, the undeserved gift one seems more um, easy to uh, uh, to swallow visually, at least. You know, uh, I can see God handing me something without me having deserved whatever he's handing me, you mm-hmm. know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I think uh, I think another helpful distinction is, is the the kinds of grace that the catechism describes. So two main kinds of grace being actual and sanctifying or sometimes called habitual grace. And this is another, I think, Sunday school, but just to kind of lay our groundwork here, you know, actual grace is 
gosh, I didn't actually write down the definition, but essentially the way to describe it is the, the grace that God gives us on a daily basis, right? The, um, you know, maybe it's, you see a sunset and think, oh, that's beautiful, right? That's, that's a kind of actual grace. Right. Where sanctifying grace is, this is the sacramental grace. And, uh, this is the kind of grace that God gives us in and through the sacraments. It's, it's a guarantee, right? That that grace is always there. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's also called habitual because it's the kind of grace that we can grow in habitual by habitually receiving, we can grow and form and develop habits of, of virtue. Sure. Yeah. Through, I think, frequenting the sacraments. So sanctifying grace in the sacraments, actual grace outside of the sacraments, I think is probably the simple way yeah. of putting it. That's interesting. Uh, with the sanctifying grace, it seems, again, thinking of grace as like an unmerited favor, you know, unmerited gift. Um, yet sanctifying grace requires a, a practice on our part of some sort, you know, so. Yes and no. Uh, okay. I mean, I mean, like baptism, right? Baptism is completely unmerited, right? You know, I think okay. especially yeah. in the case of infants. So that is a grace that is is completely unmerited. I think the it coming to fruition depends on your cooperation. Yeah, that's right. The co- yeah, it's the the sanctifying graces through the sacraments assume your cooperation in most instances, right? Is that fair? Yeah, I think I think yeah. particularly in the repeatable sacraments yeah right that's fair. yeah a confession yeah. and uh so on and so forth yeah. yeah yeah i think that's fair to say yeah yeah so there is at least an amount of and again it's still unmerited you know because yeah. uh, the lord is still gifting it to us you know uh uh without us deserving it um but yeah. uh, uh but still there's an act of showing up that's required to receive those sorts of graces you know the habitual right. act of showing sure. up yeah and sure. cooperating yeah, and that's interesting. I think maybe in in this conversation, I want to focus actually a little more, if if you're okay with it, I think you will be with actually on actual grace. Okay, because um, I think yeah. actual grace is a bit more mysterious. Sure. Right? I think if you understand the sacraments, you can kind of have a grasp on sanctifying grace. Yeah. But actual grace, there's a lot less said about it, um, and I think it's kind of yeah, it's. I think there's a little bit more of a mystery there to to really investigate. Yeah, and I think uh, that that's great. I'd, I'd love to talk about that. I, I think. Um, that's the one where I talk about the one that's hard to define. Right. That's, that's the one that I, I talk about. You know, it's kind of as easy to bracket the sacraments, you know, the, the, the sanctifying grace that's received from those. But you're right. The other, the actual grace, the, um, it seems like a catch-all for the outside of the sacraments grace uh, that is just hard to, hard to close in on. So, yeah, I'd love to chat about that. Yeah, so um, I think the last piece of groundwork maybe to lay on grace just real quick, um, is just kind of talk about a little bit more about what, what St. Paul says about it. Um, so St. Paul, again, he, he describes it as this this gift, right? The gift of God, the grace of God is, is a gift. And I think one of the ways in which he talks about grace is in the context of kind of a response or a completion of the law of the Old Testament, right? So you have God gives us the law, namely, you know, specifically the Ten Commandments amongst others, in the Old Testament, right? But what was lacking in the law, according to St. Paul in the bulk of his literature, is that the law doesn't enable us to become holy. It shows us what becoming holy looks like, but there's no, it doesn't enable us, right? We still, it, all, it in some ways just shows us how weak we are and how unholy we are. Whereas grace, and particularly through the grace of, of Christ given in, in the New Testament and the New Covenant, Grace actually enables us to live out the law. 
So I think the distinction here is, is, you know, grace enables us to live the life we are called to. The law shows us the life we are called to live. Grace enables us to actually live it. And I think that's a, that's a helpful way to, to think about the role of grace in our lives. Yeah, it's funny to think about this too um, uh, in relation, you know, to, to God because uh, he literally gives us the framework for living the life and he gives us the, the tools necessary for living it. We yeah. don't do anything on our own. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just uh, just thinking about that is. Uh, I think St. Paul has a uh, um, a nice uh, a few verses about this in Ephesians that I, I can't recall. Um, but yeah, just the idea that Jesus literally gives us everything the the, the framework for living a, a, a the good life and also the ability to actually do it. So yeah, um, yeah, just thinking about who we are before God uh, is so important and, and thinking yeah. about grace. Were you thinking of maybe like the for grace you have been saved yeah, part? That's yeah, that's right. Yeah, by yeah. grace you have been saved through faith. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because we didn't. I don't know that we planned on on talking about kind of the Protestant Catholic discussion on on grace, right, and faith and works. But I think one of the things I you know you see and one of the things I found in reading and studying Paul's writings in particular is that. And the Catholic interpretation of them, even reading things like the Council of Trent, which responds to the Protestant Reformation, like Catholics have more emphasis on grace than I think people tend to think. Right. And even on the flip side of that, I think Protestants have more, like, see more of a value or more importance of actually, you know, of, of they, they don't like the word works, but of having to do something to cooperate with grace, right? Right. Um, then I think they often get credit for again as as well. Um, so I think it's an area where you know I don't want to digress too much, but I think Catholics and Protestants are closer than maybe it sometimes appears when it comes to the role of, of grace in our lives. Because you know we're you know we're looking at the Catechism and Scripture, and it's yeah. you know grace is unmerited initial justification, unmerited. Right. You know we have some sort of cooperation in it, but it's not it's not our it's not ours. It's a gift. Yeah, and I don't want to be too down on the human race, but it's funny because uh, you know we have again just to, to say it one more time, we have the law, which you know God gives us to so we can understand the the life He wants us to live, a life of fulfillment. We have grace, which we get from Him, which enables us to live the life. All He all He requires is our cooperation. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in theory, all we have to do is accept you know, the grace that he's given us, that's it. And sometimes we don't even do that, yeah. you know? Yeah. So just, uh, 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 just thinking about, you know, how kind of lowly we are sometimes, you know, right. I think it's helpful. You don't want to go too far with that, but it's just helpful to think about, you know, uh, how we are before God. Right. Yeah. I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, I guess the other thing too, the other thing I think is interesting in thinking about grace as gift is one of the things I learned recently, there's scholarship and and Pauline literature in particular that looks at the concept of gift giving in the ancient world. And gift giving was, you know, gifts, you know, we think about grace as a gift, as it's described by Paul. Gifts were given often by a, like, in an an unequal relationship, right? A gift would be given by somebody wealthy and powerful to somebody less wealthy and powerful. But the gift is, it's given gratuitously, right? There's no, like, you're not expected to repay it necessarily. But it's seen as an investment, right? You, you, you don't want to give your gift in vain, right? You don't want to give your gift and just have it spat on or, or thrown out, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so when we read, I think Paul's talking about gift in that sense. It's yes, it's free, it's unmerited, it's undeserved. It's the sheer gift, right? And we we actually should just bask in that um, that givenness of it. And yet, it still, it, it in a sense requires, like it calls us to something, right? It calls us to sure. be worthy of that gift and not to receive that gift in vain, right? Which St. Paul also warns against. Yeah, that's interesting. So what does that look like? Yeah, I've heard it. This has been really helpful for me in my spiritual life of just a, you know, a, accepting the offer of grace, whatever that might be. We might could flesh out some examples later on, but accepting that offer of grace and then or, uh, that gift and then re-gifting it. So there's always, you know, with, with receiving grace from, from the Lord, there's always a, a re-gifting, a, a going out and a, um, a, a re-sharing of that gift, uh, by God's grace. So uh, I can't think of an example at the moment, but yeah, yeah, there's a re-gifting involved. Yeah, let's maybe tease that out. Like, what is this What is this reception of grace and our response actually look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I think, you know, one, one thing that I would think of initially is um, this might be more of a sanctifying grace. I don't know, mm-hmm. but um, spending, you know, receiving a lot of, uh, you know, the gift of the mass would be a, mm-hmm. would be a good example. Uh uh, receiving the the graces that come from that, mm-hmm. maybe it's a feeling of of, of peace in your soul. Uh, yeah. Would be uh, would that be a, a good example of of grace? Yeah, you think? I or, think so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I know there have been instances where I've had a really, really you know meaningful, peaceful experience in mass and invigorating experience, and that has flowed into the conversations that I had in the immediate aftermath of mass, or mm-hmm. or you know, and um, throughout the day, you know, after mass, I, I felt very. Um, at peace and caring towards the people that I was talking about or mm-hmm. talking to, I mean, and um, yeah, it just affected my relationships. So that could right. be something, you know, receiving an offer of grace and then it having affect your relationships in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. I think of, you know, especially when we think of actual grace in particular, these, these interactions we have throughout the day, these, these encounters we have that are, that are with, you know, with others, with events, with ultimately with God, you know, I think of, we, we talked about John Paul II earlier and just the, the power he had to just every encounter it seems like he had with people, you know, people that I know have met him, just they're transformed, right? Just by a simple conversation with him. So I think encountering a, a really holy person, encountering a really joyful person, a really genuine person, someone who uh, seems to see you in your human dignity and, and you feel known, loved, and cared for, these are moments of grace, I think. Right. These are moments where you experience God. You experience this gift of God, this grace of God, this divine life through another person. So I think of those. I think of moments of beauty. You know, I think I think you and I both obviously are, you know, we, we yeah, I think I think you would probably say you experience this a lot through beauty, yeah. isn't that right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I, I will reiterate, like, whenever I experience um, um, a beautiful movie or book or song, uh, my um, the way that I express or release that, you know, that grace that I've received is by sharing it. I mean, it's obvious, you know, you know, yeah. when, you're, when you're excited about something that, you know, some grace that you've received through what you've read or what you've seen, you, you want to share it, you know? So I know that's happened on countless occasions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we do share it. Right. Especially in the context of, right, we want to receive this grace. We want to not receive it in vain. We want to make it bear fruit. I'm going to cooperate with the grace of God. Well, I, you know, I can think of some sad moments in my life actually where 
I, I receive this kind of gift of grace or this, this kind of, you know, you might in simple terms call it like a God moment, right? And I kind of like, I just kind of move past it really quickly. Yeah. Um, and to me, those are really sad moments because I think those are those, those moments of grace refused. And sure, maybe it's not, you know, it's not committing a mortal sin, but to, you know, see a sunset and fail to recognize the beauty in it. But I yeah. think these are the moments where we, we actually train ourselves to habitually reject grace yeah. or to just kind of, yeah, to not let it sink in, not to let us transform, not to let it transform us like yeah. I think God wants it to. That's interesting. Yeah. That makes me think of, um, uh, I've been meditating on uh, the, the passage for, or the verse from Genesis, it's, it's not good for man to be alone. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and so it seems like, I, I wonder, you really have to have a relationship with a community, with other human beings in order to you know, to share your grace, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if, you know, reception of grace is even possible outside of community, you know, outside of, uh, um, you know, yeah. being, being in isolation or being alone, or at least if it's stymied, you know, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think when I, when I, I will add though, I think that receiving that grace in a way that bears fruit, in my mind, there's two ways, there's two things that we can do with that grace. And there's probably more than two. I think one is to share it with others. I think the other is to actually ponder it. Right. Right. I that's think right. the times that I'm thinking of are times where I didn't even stop to ponder it. Right. And she's like, okay, God, that's nice. I think if I always describe like when I do spiritual reading sometimes, like sometimes I just really want to like finish the book for the sake of finishing the book. Yeah. And so I'm reading something and something just like strikes me. It's like really beautiful or really, really true. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Okay. Next page. Like, yeah. I just keep yeah. going. That's right. And I, I really think that that is almost like a slap in the face to, to God. Um, it's like he's giving you this gift, this grace. And, and sometimes I don't even stop to ponder it, let alone share it with others. And that's, that's what I think I'm really getting at, this kind of refusal yeah. of grace in that's my own good. heart. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever, um, have you ever heard the story about uh, St. Ignatius? You know how he has his you know, daily examine um, that he's famous for, where you examine your conscience mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day. Um, so I, I've heard this story about him that he became, because of, you know, his examination practices of his conscience, where he, you know, just stopped and reflected on, you know, where he met, you know, the Lord during his day. Mm-hmm. Um, he became so overwhelmed that uh, with, you know, the presence of the Lord in his day, you know, uh, that he would have to uh, um, directly or intentionally distract himself to avoid weeping or crying during the day, walking really? around. That was, that oh. was, that was, that's the story. So, uh, yeah, so there's kind of a, you know, a point that he got to where he was just always aware yeah. and pondering, uh, the presence of Jesus yeah. in his life, uh, which that's a, that's a, you know, capital S saint extreme. Yeah. But, uh, Lord grant me that grace. Seriously. Yes, yeah. man. Yeah. That's amazing. That's the story. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's stick with the saints then. Uh, so there's another, I think, quote about grace that I think is worth noting. I think it's a, really interesting quote um and this is very long it's it's a whole three words but it comes from saint therese the little flower and she says everything is grace that's the quote everything is grace and i think i've i've i don't know have you heard this tossed around this phrase tossed around before i have do you think it's true um yeah i think it is um I, i would be open to being told no but initially it sounds right i mean it sounds like you know this table i'm touching right now is uh 
something that wouldn't exist without without God. Uh, you yeah. know, literally everything. I mean, I I don't know. Uh, uh, it seems like when it gets hard yeah. is when you know things that we we don't like or um, you know things that are that seem negative right. in our uh, in our world. Uh, um, you know, yeah. come, come to come to fruition. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think it's true too. I think if taken it in an overly literal sense, like it might you might say it's false. Like sin is not grace, right? Right. Yeah. Like sin is resisting grace. But I think everything is grace is the right attitude to cultivate towards things that happen in our life. Right. Whether it's good, bad, ugly, everything is grace. Right. And I think that's well, one, I think that's a saint making quote. Yeah. Uh, if you can truly internalize that and live that out. And two, I think it's, you, you know, you mentioned the, you know, those difficult things that happen, right? To see that as a grace is a, is a tough thing. Right. It it's is a tough thing to do. Very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important to maintain the eternal perspective, isn't it? You know, of um, my life's purpose, my, my soul life's purpose, this is it. The only purpose of it is to, to reach heaven, to be with Jesus forever at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, if we've, if we've come to the end of our life and we're not at that point, we've, I mean, we've, we've failed, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's it. And so when, like, when you have that, continue to have that perspective throughout your day, you know, uh, it's easier to see, I think, at, uh, why this quote is true, you know, seeing everything is grace and seeing everything as a, as a gift from God in order to, to, uh, achieve our salvation. Right. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, I don't know. It's I guess how can we how can we learn to see that everything is grace? How can we learn to see those moments of of suffering as yeah. as actual grace? That's really hard. Um, Tell me, Saint Nick, how how do you what's your <laughs> secret? You know, Saint Nick, I, I have to. I, yeah, that's right. You know, I have to admit, uh, this thing comes to mind, and I've never really had this practice, but mm-hmm. just like being being more grateful for things. I know a lot of people are huge fans of like writing, you know, five things down every day that they're grateful yeah. for. Um, I think I've tried that before and it hasn't really worked for me because I, I feel like I write down the same things every day and then it becomes meaningless because yeah. I just write them down. I, I don't know. But a lot of people like that. I'm just, you know, cultivating a habit of gratitude in a certain way. I, I think everyone should do that, but whether it's writing something down or saying a certain yeah. prayer every day, uh, that seems to be, um, yeah, that seems to be right. Have, um, have I told you to thank you Jesus 10 times? Yeah. yeah. You have told me that. Yeah. Yeah. So as for our listeners, it's something like that my spiritual director has me do and has a lot of people do, I think, but it's to say, thank you, Jesus, 10 times. Like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You repeat that 10 times, you know, one for it's based off the lepers, the 10 lepers Jesus cured because nine of them didn't thank, didn't come back to say thank you. So you say thank you once for yourself and nine times in reparation for the the nine who didn't come back. But I think that's a similar thing, right? Is, yeah. is to, and, and I try to start my prayer in that. And I can sometimes measure my spiritual life based off, am I am I remembering to, to say thank you, Jesus? Yeah. I'm not sure that's a great practice. And I'm sure that prayer becomes hard when something it comes up does, that you don't like. You it know? does uh, become hard. It's like, thank you, Jesus, for this terrible thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, like when but you, I also think there's like a, there's an element of, you know, everything is grace. Where I where I really appreciate this perspective is it helps us to discern, I think, how God is moving in our life. If I can look out at the world, look look around at my day and say, everything is grace. Right? Everything is a gift. And and that means everything from my sheer existence is a gift. Like 
the people I have in my life, the fact that I have a roof over my head, the fact that I feel like these are all, there's just every day I live in a world of just gifts of yeah. things that I don't deserve that I've done nothing to earn. They're just there, right? They're just there for me. But then also like, yeah, throughout the course of the day, like to see events as happening within divine providence, right? These events aren't just random, you know, things that happen in your day aren't just random events. They're things that that are given to yeah. you by God to, to sanctify you. Yeah. Just thinking about how good news that is too. That is such good news. Yeah, you know, is, and um, I think news. we throw that term around a lot, you know, mm-hmm. where we, uh, and it loses its flavor. Mm-hmm. It's sad. You know, the, the gospel means good news. And uh, um, just, it's, it's so important to think about how, how good news that actually is, you know, that we, uh, that everything, literally everything is, is oriented towards our good and um, it's all a gift. And, um, and now we might not like that gift, let's be honest. We might not like that gift at times, mm-hmm. but I'm just thinking about that. It's so freeing. Uh, it's so joy-filling, you know, so peace-filling. Um, just to let that sink in more deeply. It's so important for the spiritual life. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. It's it's, and it's something we do have to let sink in, and I think that's what this phrase, everything grace, right. helps us to start to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think, too, where it gets hard, um, with the, where that gets hard sometimes is uh, actually the people in our lives you know, when, uh, and just, I think John Paul II was great at this, but seeing every person that he encountered as a grace, as a gift, as right. as some, you know, as a, um, yeah, a gift from Jesus to me. Right. He would wake up in the morning and pray, Lord, help me to see your people with your eyes. Right. Yeah. And that's hard a lot of times. I know, like, we talked about gossip one time before, and that, that is a poison to, you know, uh, that's a particular example of just something that's so poisonous to our ability to see people as gifts and as, as a grace. Um you know, and uh, yeah, just how, how hard that is sometimes to see the people around you at your workplace or um, even your friends or people that you interact with, your family, you know, uh, just as, as gifts. Um, and I think maybe that would be the primary place to start, in my opinion, is just to, uh, to, to ask Jesus to, uh, to help people or help you to see people that are in your life as gifts, as graces, um, as encounters with him. Right, and I think starting to think about that word grace as gift can help with that too. Right, right. If if we think of, you know, everything is a gift, right? Think of think of the people in your life that you love. Like they're just a gift to you. You don't have to have them. That's right. They don't have to be in your life, and yet there's this there's givenness about them. I know I know you love givenness as as a theme, but yeah. I think there's something beautiful about, it and there's something enchanting about that. You know, right. you talk about like the gospel being good news as well. Like right. This is the perspective, and this is why I think I wanted to talk about grace ultimately, is because I think grace for me has become, over the years, just an enchanting concept. Because when I start to see everything as gift, when I start to see everything as a grace from God, and believe me, I'm not perfect at it, but when I begin to see things in that perspective, it just, I live, you live in a magical world. Like, yeah. and I, I don't mean magical and <laughs> unicorn. Like, like it's just like, I mean that in the, the most like joyous, beautiful sense, right? The world becomes enchanting. And I think of, you know, Chesterton, GK Chesterton, who writes, you know, as if he just experiences the world, like a five-year-old kid, Yeah, you know, you walk into, I was making balloon animals today for, yeah, I learned how to make balloon animals. Isn't that cool? Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for kids, it, it, this event we had going on at the school and like, just like, you know, I, I, my first balloon animal I made was a snake because snake's pretty easy to make. Mm-hmm. Out of yeah. Yeah. That's nice. right. Like, so like literally I just like blow up a balloon and like 
kind of make like twist it to give it a head and like make it uh-huh. curl a little bit and hand it to them. It's like, oh, so cool, a snake! Yeah, like, <laughs> the kids are it's just they're enchanted with the yeah. world, you know. And yeah. and that's how G.K. Chesterton, I think, even as a grown man, like seemed to interact with the world. It's just yeah. this enchanting, beautiful place where everything is just a gift, right? And that's how I want to live. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's it's really awesome to think about kids and how they receive gifts too. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like they have no hesitation whatsoever if you give them something. You know, it's just like, yep, I'll take that. <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, they love yeah. it. And uh, um, I've actually been fascinated with kids lately, just being out of the soccer field with them and um, mm-hmm. um, getting to experience them. You know, like uh, just an example of when they when they score a goal, it's like the most incredible thing in the world. You know, they love it and they, they get excited mm-hmm. and they love to see the net bulge, whatever, you know? Uh, um, yeah. and so, uh, yeah, they just, they think, they think things are fascinating. Yeah. Which right. I, I love. And I think we have a lot to learn from. Right. Yeah. But the, I guess the flip side of that is that we can refuse it. Right. You know, I think one of the things we, we put on this as well is this, this Flannery quote. Right, or Flannery. Right. She, she described her literature, I guess. As uh-huh. Yeah, that's what he. Uh, I think she described her her stories as a usual about the offer of grace usually refused. That's a yeah. direct quote from her. The offer of grace usually refused. So um, what's what's that look like in Flannery O'Connor's stories? Yeah, so I think the uh, um, I don't. One of the famous examples is from A Good Man Is Hard to Find. You know where the mm-hmm. uh, here comes a spoiler where. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, the misfit uh, shoots the grandmother at the end. Yes, yeah. you heard that correctly. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she, he, you know, she reaches out to him in a kind of uh, gesture of uh, of charity and he shoots her anyway kind of a thing, you know. So he's, he receives this, you know, offer of charity from her and he, you know, rejects it. So that's the most famous example, I think. There's definitely very lots of violence in, in Flannery mm-hmm. O'Connor stories um, of, you know, it's just bad characters who... Uh, come to this moment, these moments of violence, really, uh, these moments of uh, very intense encounters uh, where they come to a really direct realization of, oh, I'm being offered something from uh, from something outside of myself. I'm being offered a moment of grace here. Yeah. Uh, so she's very good at creating these, you know, uh, direct moments of grace, especially from uh, violent and uh, negative people, I would say. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, Flannery is such a conundrum because yeah her stories just are so unique but i think that this this is a theme that i don't know i think of catholic literature i think that that's i think it's about grace right right i think flannery in particular chooses to highlight the refusal of grace yeah but i think you know i think of the catholic novels that that i've read and and they're all about grace in some and and the human heart's struggle and wrestling with grace um refusing it accepting it um, grace wrestling, like in a sense, wrestling with the human heart and, you know, I just read, um, Brideshead Revisited and it's, it's yeah. a huge novel about grace. Uh, this, this man who just through this encountering this Catholic family is just, he's, he's not like, he's not, I'm not gonna give away the ending, but for, you know, for, you know, a lot of the book, he's just resisting like he's not about it he doesn't doesn't want to convert he doesn't but it's doing something him like there's there's it's in little ways it's sinking in Uh, so i I think that's actually what in chesterton as well right in a more i think jovial sense but they're all about grace i think yeah it's interesting to think about how we as you know fellow sinners who you know constantly turn away from the offer of grace in our lives all, all of us do it you know uh 
how we eventually come to accept it. Uh, it's a very, um, a very big question. And one sounds mm-hmm. like Evelyn Waugh asked in the Brides Have Revisited. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, Flannery, that's probably her main question, I think. You know, is, mm-hmm. um, how does one who is very far away from accepting grace in their lives, um, she yeah. has you know, terrible characters, how does one, you know, come to accepting it when the moment of grace comes? You know, mm-hmm. uh, so it's that's a very difficult question. I think I think you're right. I think I think Evelyn Wall is right. You know, he's by the way the author of Bride Saber Visited. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like in most instances there's that you know uh, one coming to an awareness that it's being offered, and two like the constant of you know now it's the the constant offering of it. You know, just over mm-hmm. and over and over and over and over and. Uh, um, I think eventually that tends to break us down as human beings, you know, so as we, as we continually become more and more aware of those offers of grace, it, it becomes more and more appealing. Right. So, yeah, I think maybe like becoming aware of grace is, is kind of the first step, right? Yeah. You know, right. we have to, we have to become aware of it because it is easy to ignore. It is. I think, unfortunately, a strange thing about the world we live in is that, you know, I can, I can. And in a way, it's self self imposed, right? I can habituate myself to ignore grace, right? You know, every time I I ignore it or refuse it, it makes me all the more likely to do it the next time. Just That's the right. way we're habitual beings, we're habitual creatures. So, I guess how can we, yeah, how can we, I guess, train ourselves to be more receptive to these graces or more aware of the graces in our lives? It's so hard. Uh, a couple things, and we've said this answer about every time we've asked a question like this, and it's um. Spending Pray. time, yeah, spending time in prayer. Exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> you, beat, you beat me to it. Yeah, uh, just disposing ourselves to be with Jesus and to hear His voice. Um, it's very hard to. Uh, I, I've found in my life, and I, I, I'm a huge fan of adoration. I'm not. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but I love. I, I love spending time in adoration. It's um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a huge part of my spiritual life, and um, it's listen. It's very hard to refuse. Um you know, Jesus offering grace to me and at least in big ways when I'm spending constant time in adoration, his voice is always in my ear. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like I have a good sense of what it is that he's asking of mm-hmm. me in big, in big situations, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's very hard to refuse that when you're spending a lot right. of time with him. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very, it's very uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, it's kind of like, maybe this is a terrible analogy, but it's kind of like after like spending a lot of time with someone that has, like just proposed to you and you've said no, you know what I mean? You're like walking around with that person. And, uh, analogy. <laughs> I don't know. You don't, I don't know, know that word experience, but... do you? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> but I don't. No one's proposed to me. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah, it would be strange. I don't know if that's the right analogy, but that's kind of what I think of. You know, just like this is yeah, very uncomfortable. No, I get what you're going after, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like awkward. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to sit with that yeah, one. But sit with it. You know, like. Yeah, I think I think that that's that's key, and I think of you know I think of the saints when I think of holy people that I know that that is the key. It, it comes down to it every time. I think of you know why are religious? I think religious the people that I know that are most good at this are people in religious communities, and if you think about the life they live, they are constantly in prayer. They have so many yeah. structured times of prayer throughout the day where. They're constantly checking in with Jesus. You know, they're constantly having to ask those questions. They're constantly praying, Lord, help me to see with your eyes. Mm. And, you know, I think another thing, you know, that comes in, and this is another, as a part of this, but like the examine prayer, 
Yeah. You know, I, I, I know one person in particular who would pray the examine prayer three times a day and, you know, wake up middle of day, end of the day. And once you start doing that, it, it just habituates you to be aware and to pay attention. I think of myself, you know, even um, when I have the opportunity to go to mass regularly, when I have the opportunity to just spend time in a church, right. you know, it, it, it habituates me to, I use that word a lot, but to, to be aware of it. And I think of also like the way that we pray as Catholics, like using our bodies, you know, the way we genuflect, sure. the way we kneel, sit, stand in the liturgy, I think also play a role in this because they, it's, you know, it's, it's where body and soul, body, mind, and soul, and our bodies can actually lead the way in this, right? right? When, yeah. you, when you're in the presence of the Lord in the Eucharist, right? Your body reacts and then your body ideally helps make your mind cognizant of that. So I think living that, living that structure where there's like cues throughout your day, just like when you walk in a church, the, you know, there's something subconscious about, okay, genuflect, right? Right. Um, little things like that. Like I'm trying to think if there's cues in my day like that. Oh, you know, little things like um, passing a graveyard and making the sign of the cross. Right, yeah. You know, praying for the repose of the souls or passing a church and making the sign of the cross. Like things right. like that, ambulance sirens, whatever it is, like find little cues in your day that are calls to prayer. I think that yeah. can 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 train you to be more aware of grace. That's really good. Yeah, it's really good. You know, you mentioned the religious community, and I will say, uh, you know, they they definitely have constant time in prayer. But what they also have is community. You know, and uh, um, oh yeah, it yeah. seems it seems like to me I, this has been a very powerful influence in my life. I can think of you know tangible experiences where I've been a part of a community where heck, everyone else is accepting their offer of grace, so I might as well too. You know what I mean? It seems like everyone else is taking steps to grow in yeah. holiness and hear the voice of Jesus more and do his will. And, you know, it's just kind of iron sharpens iron. You know, every, everyone's doing it and kind of everyone's moving towards, you know, accepting grace more. So community is so important, so important. It always will be. Uh, we'll, I mean, we'll mention that again during another uh, another topic down the road, probably pretty soon. You know, it's always going to be important, just like prayer, you know. Yeah, I think that's true. Like, how can you ignore it when you have people checking in? Right. You know, I, I think of my time and focus is is a good example of that. Where yeah, it's like I'm being held accountable to to checking in and yeah. to, to being aware of this grace. So I think that's that's exactly right. I guess another thing, the other thing I think of is like don't ignore the little things. I think that's this is something like I'm harping on myself for lately. Is like. The, the little graces in our life yeah. are what we can't ignore. Because like I said earlier, the more we do that, the easier it gets to do. Right. And then the less aware we are of God's. And it takes, you know, God hitting us over the head with a brick to get us to pay attention to what's going on. So I think the little things, the little graces really matter. That's good, yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, another thing I can think of too is that don't, don't be afraid to just be— um, to be wonder filled is that the word? Uh, don't, don't, wonderful. Yeah, wonder, be that's wonderful. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I think wonder filled is the right word. Okay, yeah, filled yeah. with wonder. Out, outwardly, so outward expression. Like you were saying, we use our bodies to, you know, in, in a way that's important yeah. and that helps us to accept grace. And I, I think this is um, 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 a, a good thing to, to think about too, with regards to that. Is um, just don't be afraid to outwardly express gratitude or. Uh, yeah. to outwardly express wonder, to outwardly express your appreciation for whatever you've noticed or whatever grace you've been offered and, and accepted. Um, even if you have to force yourself to do it at first, you know, um, 
I think that's so important. Um, I wow. just think of like the classic example of, uh, you know, someone, uh, you know, seeing something that doesn't really seem that, that cool, like a mm-hmm. blade of grass and just being overcome by how amazing it is yeah. and going, whoa, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. You know, I think what you just said, Nick, is really incredible. I think you just basically explained why we have a sacramental faith, right? You, you hear the word sacrament defined is, at times as an outward expression of an inward grace, right? Part of the problem with recognizing grace is that it's invisible. Grace is invisible. You can't see it, right? Mm-hmm. So the sacraments and sacramentals, so sacraments, the seven sacraments, make visible that invisible grace. They yeah. give us these outward expressions of it. And same with sacramentals, whether it's holy water or um, you know the sign of the cross. Like All these things are outward expressions of the inward grace. And that's so essential because grace is invisible. Yeah. But... We, we actually, yeah, it is such a Catholic thing to do to have outward expressions of inward grace. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's important to our body and soul. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Amen. I love grace, don't you? Yeah, I think so. You think so? No, just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't exist without it, so thank you. Well, I think that's about all I have on grace. You got anything else? Um, no, I don't think so. All right, well. That's right. This has been a great conversation about grace. So maybe just invite listeners to just, yeah, just pray about this, you know, pray about being more aware. Pray, Lord, help me to be more aware of your grace. Pray that you can see the world as a gift, see the world as a grace. I know I'm praying for that for myself and for you, Nick, and for you, all of our listeners. So with that being said, praise be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. Amen.